Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and we are just a few days from Thanksgiving. And so we wanted to have a service, a worship service this morning, where we put a major emphasis on giving thanks to God. That's why inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline where I'm headed this morning. It's entitled, Say So. Those are the last two words from uh, the second verse out of Psalm 107. Here's what it says. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When uh, some of you know that uh, before I got involved in work as a pastor, I worked with a ministry to high school students called Young Life uh, out in Houston, Texas, is where Debbie and I had a ministry with uh, kids from a number of different high schools there. And every year we would take kids from these high schools to a Young Life camp. And while they were at that camp, they would hear the gospel presented in a wonderful and winsome way. And many of them made professions of faith in Christ. It was the first time they'd ever been around a Christian atmosphere, in fact. And so at the end of the camp, before we loaded the kids back on buses to take them home, there was always one service set aside, an hour, hour and a half there, where people would just stand up and they could just say so if the Lord had redeemed them. And kids would stand up and how they'd given their lives to Christ the first time in their life they could be forgiven. Some of them had to let go of addictions or bitterness or fears or guilt or shame. It was amazing. And nobody wanted to leave because people stood up and said, this is what God did for me. Well, we want to give a chance for you today at all of our locations to have a chance to practice what this verse says, to say so. So my message is going to be kind of short today. I'm going to run through a couple of good reasons why we need to give thanks, and then we're going to give you a chance to say so. And some of you might just be thankful because I had a short message today. So I don't know. We'll just see how that goes. Anyway, let me have a word of prayer for us. I'm going to jump right in. Father, I thank you for Thanksgiving Day. We get together with family and friends, and we have a day actually set aside to give you thanks. And we're not going to miss out on it. Not this year. We're going to say thank you. You have rescued us. You've done so many good things for us. Today we're even going to get a jump start on the whole holiday. And we're going to say thanks in these worship services. So Lord, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way. You'll speak to everyone who has a word to say today. That we all might leave here encouraged and drawn closer to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. I want to welcome everybody who's worshiping by via video at Pike Road and Wetumpka, Cloverdale, and elsewhere on the web. Uh, and our first point on your outline is this. We need to give thanks to the Lord. It's a, I just took those verses, by the way, and just broke them into phrases and used it as an outline. So we need to give thanks to the Lord. Would you read that out loud with me, please? We need to give thanks to the Lord. Y'all, we need to give thanks a lot more than we do. We focus on problems and worries. We get all wrapped around the axle when it comes to our jobs and our kids and money and other things. Can anybody else agree with me on that? Yeah, we do. We get just really bound up in things, and oftentimes we don't stop and count our blessings, and we don't say thank you to people who help us nearly enough, and we certainly don't say thank you to God enough. This isn't a new thing. In fact, Luke talked about this in Luke 17. One day, he records that Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Now what you need to know in the days in which this story was written, as Jesus walked along, lepers were supposed to cry out. Lepers were people with contagious skin diseases for which there was no cure. And the only uh, command that God had given his people on that, well, until they found a cure, the people were to be quarantined. They were to stay away. And so whenever they would enter a public place, they needed to tell people, I'm unclean, I have a disease, I'm unclean which would do wonders for your self-image, you can imagine. 
But what happened was these lepers then would band together because they had a common enemy, and that was their disease. And so at least they had camaraderie among each other. But one day as Jesus is traveling along, there are ten of these lepers, and instead of yelling out, I'm unclean, stay away, they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Because they had heard that Jesus was a miraculous healer. And Jesus didn't disappoint. So jumping back into the story here, Jesus looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, the priests in the temple were the ones who could pronounce you clean. They were the officials. And so they would inspect the people to see if the skin disease had indeed gone away. And Jesus said, since you've cried out to me, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went on their way, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So as they're going along, they had who knows what's, what manner of disease on their skin. All of a sudden, they realized it's gone. And so some of them took off running even faster. This would be a chance. Now they could be reunited with their family. Now they could be reunited with the community. Their social status could be restored. They could go back to their jobs. They had to leave it all. And Jesus gave them everything. Everything was restored, not just their skin. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Now this man was a Samaritan. That doesn't mean much to you and me, but the Samaritans were viewed by the ordinary Jewish people as people who'd lost their way because the Samaritans practiced a faith that had been syncretized. They'd blended in a lot of other religions as well as the faith in God taught from the scriptures. And so ordinary Jews would have nothing in common with Samaritans. They wouldn't even talk to them because they were the people with their theology all out of whack. Yet, interestingly enough, of all ten of these lepers, the only one that returned was the one who apparently had the bad theology. He got this part of it right. This man was a Samaritan, and Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Well, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. We need to give thanks to the Lord. This man was right to do so. All ten of them should have returned. But some of them were so happy about their newfound health and their newfound restoration, they forgot all about saying thanks to the one who'd given them all the freedom. Everything they'd ever asked, all their prayers were answered in one moment. And they didn't even thank the one who'd answered them. I want you to notice something about this story. All ten of them are still healed. Jesus didn't require them to come and give thanks. They were healed just the same. But he was pleased that one came back. Can I tell you that as a father, I love giving my kids good gifts. I don't require them to say thank you, but I love it when they do. This last Father's Day, my oldest son wrote me a Father's Day card. And in the card, he said, Dad, I figured out how much you must have sacrificed to help me get where I am, and I just want to say thank you. I'm keeping that card. Do you know how much that means to me? I'd have given them everything just the same. But I love it when my kids say thank you. You know, our Lord loves it when we say thank you, and today we're going to have a chance to do that. So we need to give thanks to the Lord. Would you say that one more time with me? We need to give thanks to the Lord. That's point one. Here's point two. For he is good. For he is good. Would you say that with me? He is good. One more time. He is good. Now this time say it like you believe it. He is good. He is good. 
David talked about this in Psalm 103. See if any of these things resonate with you. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens are above the earth. And he's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And let me just point something out here. It doesn't say north and south because there is a north pole and a south pole. You can reach that limit. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. There's no limit. They're removed forever when we come to him. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. The Lord is good to us. He knows how weak we are. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And some of you today will be able to give thanks about that publicly in just a minute. It's occurred to you this year that God has forgiven you, a raggedy lost sinner, and he's given you a brand new life and washed you clean. I love it when we baptize people and they're wearing those white robes and the water's dripping off of them and they're excited. And we baptize them here in Prattville in a, in a baptism pool and walk them off into a side room, into a kitchen over here where they dry off. Many of them, they're just going, that was so fun. That was amazing. My whole family was here. This is awesome. They got a chance to tell everybody how good God had been to them and their sins were washed away. If you want to share that in a minute, we'd love to hear. God is good. So we give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's point two. Here's point three. His loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. Would you say that out loud with me, please? His loving kindness is everlasting. As for man, his days are like grass. This is a few more verses from Psalm 103. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. This is no short time thing. God's love is everlasting. He never changes. He, is faithful yesterday. he was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. He'll be faithful long after we're gone. Because that's who God is. Not only is it everlasting, but it's available right next to us. He's always with us. Paul reflects on this in Romans 8. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Some of you need to underline that phrase right there. Nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? His faithfulness, his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. So we give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever.
from everlasting to everlasting. One fourth point, real quickly, and then we'll give you a chance to say so, is this, is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that's what Psalm 107.2 says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Would you say that with me, please? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Peter talked about this in 1 Peter 2. He said, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others the night and day difference he made for you. That's why we're still here. If you wonder, well, hey, if I'm going to heaven when I die, why doesn't God just all beam us all up right now? Why are we still here? It's so we can give glory to God and introduce our friends who don't know him to Jesus. We get to brag on God and tell everybody we know how wonderful he is and what a night and day difference he's made in our lives. And that's an excellent opportunity. When Peter is talking about the high call of priestly work, what he's talking about is this. The scriptures tell us in the Old Testament times you had the priest who was an intermediary between sinful man and holy God. God is holy and sinless. We are wicked and sinful, and we know it. Well, and who's going to help us communicate to God? Well, that was the priest's job. The sinners went to the priest. The priest offered sacrifices and prayers on their behalf to God. Then he took the words that God gave him and gave them to the sinful people. And so he was the bridge. Well, Jesus came to be the permanent bridge. He died on the cross for all of our sins. And he made it possible, Hebrews 4 tells us, that now we can boldly enter into God's presence. We can walk right into the very throne room of God because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And so now all of us are in that role. Now I can stand in God's presence and proclaim to my friends how good he is. And when they go, I don't know how to talk to God, I can say, well, come with me. I'll teach you how to pray. I'll introduce you to him. You can say, well, John, that's only for pastors. Uh Uh-uh. It's for all of us now. Peter says we all get to play. We're a whole kingdom of priests. And that was God's intention from the beginning. And so that's why it's so important for us to say so. That's why we're still here. Psalm 34 talks about this too. I'll praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I love that. I will boast only in the Lord. It is fun to brag on God. So what we're going to do at each of our sites, just to, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and after that, in just a minute, and after that, our site pastors at each of our locations will instruct you how they're going to handle this um, so you, all of us can have a chance to bring glory to God. But I want us to understand something here. We need to give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And as the redeemed, we need to say so. What a wonderful opportunity we have when we can stand among brothers and sisters in Christ and tell and remind each other how good God is. What a wonderful opportunity we have maybe later this week at our families as we're sitting around the table to take this little outline and say, hey, I want to read a verse here or two, and I'd like for us just to give thanks. We're going to kind of prime the pump on that discussion here by doing that right now in our worship services at all of our locations. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for Psalm 107 that reminds us how important it is to give thanks. But we can get so busy that we fail to thank you. Some of us have prayed for 
a new job and you gave it. And we really haven't thanked you as we should. Some of you have prayed for a restored relationship and you restored it. And we haven't taken the time to praise you and give you thanks. Lord, you heal our diseases. You forgive our sins. You cure our loneliness. You get rid of our guilt. Lord, I could go on and on and on, and I thank you that David and others in the Scripture do. And so, Lord, we're going to take a few minutes now, and we're going to give you praise, and we're going to brag on you because you deserve it. We pray these things together, and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.